Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Loft podcast, and Happy New Year to everyone. We wish you all a fantastic 2022 that is fabulous and full of good health and less restrictions than 2020 and 21. Welcome back to the podcast. We have an exciting uh, conversation ahead of us today on innovation fan experience, but quickly before we get to that, a quick reminder to please leave us a rating and subscribe to this podcast if you'd like what to hear. Go to our website on sportsloft.co and subscribe to our newsletter. And make sure to follow us on socials at Sportsloft HQ. Also, a big shout out to our Thailand partners, SRI, for supporting this podcast. And without further ado, let's dive straight into it. Obviously, the past few years have taught us that um, focusing on innovation in the fan experience is going to be key for the next generation of sports franchises and success of sports business. We've seen a lot of that over the past two years of as people have started to transition to more digitally led fan engagement initiatives. So to help us talk about this, we've got two of the leading luminaries in the space. Uh, We're being joined today by David Garcia, the senior vice president of experience and innovation for the Atlanta Hawks and Donnie White, the founder and CEO of Satisfy Labs, uh, a Sports Loft member. I'll start by introducing uh, David. David, welcome to the Sportsloft podcast for the first time. Give us a, a quick rundown of who, who you are and what you do on a day-to-day basis for the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here and to share a little bit about what we do. Um, so I've been with the Hawks for about three and a half years. Uh, I lead our experience and innovation team, which really breaks down into three different groups. We've got employee experience, customer experience, so that end-to-end journey, and then innovation focused on you know, what are the disruptive technologies, business models that can improve what we do? Um, my background's a little bit non-traditional. I haven't spent my entire career in sports. Came from Amazon and Disney beforehand and really trying to merge what we did across all those companies from an experience perspective and bring it into sports. Awesome. Amazon and Disney, I've, I've heard of those. They're, yeah, they've come across my radar once or twice. <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here. Donnie. Welcome back. Fantastic to have you. Um, why don't you give us the uh, 60 seconds on Satisfy Labs and what, what you do for Satisfy? Yeah, our, our mission is to make conversational AI hireable. So our core product is an answer engine. It manages a team of digital assistants broken out by department in a sports or entertainment org. It answers customer questions on demand and then makes transactions possible uh, where it can. Uh, we've got about 100 sports entertainment locations currently in our customer suite and are expanding heavily as uh, we look to 2022. David, I've known for almost the entire time since we launched the company. So he was definitely one of the innovators in helping me take an idea that wasn't as good. Let's be real. It wasn't very good at all at that point. I can't, I can't wait to, to, to hear a couple of stories about how those conversations went. But let's start, at the, let's start with this. David, you, you said you've been with the Hawks for just over three years now. Um, and obviously, we are very quickly nearing uh, the two-year anniversary of lockdowns and pandemic, uh, the impact of the pandemic on the sports business, uh, which means that more than half your tenure uh, in the sports industry, you've been dealing with uh, either no fans in the arena or restricted fans or some sort of impact. How has that helped your focus on uh, innovating the fan experience um, and bringing that experience that you had from Amazon and Disney into shaping the fan experience and using technology to make it better? Yeah, I think what it's done the most is 
it's accelerated things that might have been four or five years out from a timing perspective. So as we started to you know, use the buzzword frictionless and contactless, those things with COVID kind of merged. And so a lot of the things we've been able to do that might have been several years out in creating frictionless access into the clubs, into really personalizing the experience for people to give them a reason to come out. And it's harder to get people in the building today than it was two years ago. Even though our team has improved, our team's a lot better, and you have to convince people to come out in the middle of a pandemic. And so we've had to adjust and you know, Omicron has, you know, when things had seemed like they were back to normal, Omicron comes back in and sends it back uh, what felt like a year and so we're just adapting as we go. Yep, absolutely. And we'll talk about uh, the kinds of things that you've done. Donnie, how, how has it been for you guys? And when you hear um, you run a conversational AI platform, as you just said, um, obviously that originally started as a conversational AI for fans in the building as a venue uh, support. I know it's expanded way beyond that, but talk a little bit about, you know, how you engage with the fan experience and how Satisfied helps to innovate on that front. Yeah, right Right now, unlike, I guess, 2018, 2019, but 85% of our traffic is the website. So it used to be the app where you'd have more questions about the experience itself, but now there's questions about streaming and, and how do I make certain purchase decisions. There is trip planning. Obviously, health and safety is a, is a, is a concern, but it's become a 24-7 digital experience consultant. And so as... You know, we think about the fanless environment. David just described, you know, we go right to the metaverse experience that everyone's waiting for. If you didn't buy your Oculus at Christmas, you'll have one soon. And so I'm excited to see kind of how people are using these digital tools to just try to get everything they can out of their team relationship. And it's way beyond the F and B finder that I think we started with, you know, even pre-COVID. And how integrated can you really get? Is there is there a limit to how responsive the technology can be and how smart it can get in terms of resp- re- responding to fans' questions and, and helping to dictate their experience? So during COVID, after this is a five-year-old company, so four years in, we recorded something like 16 million unique questions. In COVID period, we've seen 50% new questions. So like another 8 million never asked before. So four years of in-stadium queries, and now in 2020, about 8 million new kinds. So no, there's not a limit as long as the machines are trained well. We've actually redesigned our system to handle the depth and breadth in something very unique about how we build our AI because this departmental segmentation is so necessary for for the machines. You, as you learn a subject in school, you didn't learn math and biology in the same class. I didn't learn them at all, but that's a different story. (laughs) (laughs) Walker, David said, I don't know if he has a high school diploma. I think Amazon just took him like eighth grade. But yes, yes, there is a unique way you have to teach a machine to handle this type of complexity. It's taken us some time, but but our new system is really amazing. And I'm I'm very interested, and this might be going slightly off topic, but it's very interesting to hear, um, I think, from a perspective of the rights holder and how they're thinking about the fan experience and how technology can help innovate that fan experience. Take us back to that first conversation. You said David's been, you know, supporting since the very start 
David, what was your thought process when you first heard what Donnie and Satisfy were were bringing to the table? Uh, and how did you help develop that? So, yeah, I, I still remember that we were, it was back when I was with the Atlanta Falcons and we were in a dark conference room with no windows. And I think Donnie comes in, it's him and meets with me and uh, two other folks. And like, we remember thinking, there's not much here to this product, but why do I like this guy? Honestly, that's what <laughs> we, we really like. He was so high energy. He just kind of, he brought it in. The reason it worked so well and why the partnership has been great for years is because if you think about a sports team, we don't have our own developers. We don't have our own engineers. We don't build our own products. We're looking for companies that can provide those solutions for us. And you know, at that point, Donnie and Satisfy were at such an early stage where you know they needed customers to help them define the product. We were looking for people to help you know build a product from the ground up, almost custom build it for our needs. And so that's really what, what ended up working out. We tested some stuff. We tried a variety of different things. I do remember my boss at the time uh, was not a believer, right? He wasn't sure why I was so interested in this. And then when we did open up, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in 2017, our chat bot, which is branded after the owner, Ask Arthur, uh, was one of the most popular features that we had. And he, he changed his tune. He was like, you were right. This is a, this is a good company to partner with. Donnie, take, take the gloves off. What, what, what do you remember from that? I feel like David's being, being nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he was nice to me. It was, I think what's interesting when you talk to, you know, we were MLB focused first and then NFL came mm. second. So there was a huge difference between an MLB fan and an NFL fan. The amount of limited games, the experience, expectation, you know, the, even to a certain extent, sometimes the investment that they'll make in the experience. It was, it was, it was a, so I knew, I knew someone who knew someone at the, at the Falcon. So it was already like a, a forced meeting that was like, Hey, listen, I'm just looking for a partner. You guys know more than me. Here's what I've put together. What do you think? What, what David did is he attacked things like parking. He attacked things like gate entry. He, he started to apply it to a more narrow use case. I was just like, Hey, here's some stuff. Like, what would you do with it? And, and so he's right. As things went on, the volume spiked with them. They became four or five X the volume of anybody else. And once Mr. Blank put his uh, mustache caricature on it, I think that really made it fun. If you go to David's current employer, ask Jamie. So we still use the same ownership application. It's personified that if the owner is willing to put their face on your product, I think you should be really proud because that's a, that's a difficult thing to earn. And, and really the big, the big difference in why it was so valuable for us is, you know, if we think about questions that fans ask before coming to the game, you, you think about your traditional A to Z guide, you know, which is on a website and you don't really know what people are looking for and what information is most popular. So really what it was for us was a data play to understand what questions are most important to our fans so that we can use that you know, in our marketing emails, in our communications, because what it comes down to when you're, when you're rating the fan experience when you go to a game, it's tied to the amount of information that you have before and the expectations that you come in with. So the example I, I always use is you know, the back policy doesn't change from one guest to the next, but the guest that knows you can't bring a bag will have a better experience than the guest that didn't know and shows up and has to deal with that. 
So that it really gave us a lot of data and information we could use to improve the experience. Very, very smart. So speaking about experience, and we do love to trump to, to blow our guests' trumpets on this show, um, the Hawks are ranked number one in the NBA for game day experience, uh, which is a, an incredible accolade given the, given the, the shows that all uh, NBA teams put on. Um, David, why, why do you think that is? And then a secondary question to that is, how much of that is kind of the attributable to the on-court experience and the, you know, the, the, the people who are putting on the show and how much of that do you think is attributable to technology that is supporting and underpinning the, 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 the game day experience for the Hawks? Yeah. So I, I think one of the unique things about that number one rating, especially the first year that we got it was that we weren't a good team. We were a lottery team in the NBA and oftentimes, you know, the experience will shift with the performance of the team. So when the team's winning, the beers are colder and the hot dogs are warmer. When the team's losing, it's the opposite. We were, we were able to really break that trend. Um, and the reason, number one, is because we listen to our fans and we put that priority, priority number one. So we survey after every single game. We set up processes in place, which we call their after-action meetings, where we take all the fan data. What are they saying? Sit down with all the leaders and try and make improvements every single week to the things that fans are complaining about and what the problems and what the challenges are. Um, we also made some big strategic changes. I think the biggest one, uh, which took us from bottom of the league in food and beverage to number one in the league in food and beverage is fan-friendly pricing. So we picked the, the approach that it shouldn't cost you $6 for a hot dog or $20 for a beer. It should cost you what you can get on the street. So you can come in and get a hot dog for $3, water for $2, you know, get a beer for $5. And that makes a huge difference in the way the fans perceive you as an organization because you're not trying to take advantage of them. And so that, those really are two of the key highlights. The third piece, I think, is our people. And a stadium is still a place where you can go to disconnect from your phone and connect with people. So when we think about technology, a lot of times we look at technology as being in the background, right? The technology is there to support the experiences between people, the connections between staff and, and fans. So how does my staff member know who Donnie is and create a personalized experience for Donnie? They don't necessarily need to see the technology, but the technology is there in the background helping us make that experience better. How's, how has that affected um, uh Revenues, David, if I'm if I might ask, as much as you can share, obviously, because you know the the, the first question that anybody would ask is, you, you know, you drop the price by X percent. How does that how does that affect it? Is the uptick in experience uh, and sort of uh, does that drive a willingness to buy that is different than uh, if the price is much higher? Yeah. Well, so first thing that goes up is volume, right? So when the prices go down, the volume went up more than enough to break even. Right? So now when you're thinking you're a family of four, you're coming to the game, you can eat before the game or you can eat at the game. When you can eat for less than $40, let's eat at the game. So we had a lot more people, when we say participating in food and beverage purchases. And the other part was, you know, when it comes to selling tickets, I remember when we announced it, some of our sales reps came up to me and said, thank you. This is making it so much easier for us to sell season tickets. Um, so you can hit it from a variety of different ways, but the food and beverage business itself with lower prices is generating greater profit than it was before with higher, with higher prices. 
And Donnie, are you seeing, do you guys see any of this chatter through um, the, the chatbot and things like that? Do you, are you able to monitor fan sentiment and, uh, and the how changes that David is making in the real world, in the arena, on the court, are impacting on fans of the, of the Hawks as they come to games? Yes, it's, it's actually quite easy to discern kind of when changes have been made because you'll see people that are normally like very excited about a positive change. And then there's always someone who, who's like, wait, you move my cheese to use a reference, a book reference. Hey, what, you know, why'd you make this so much faster? I like the long lines. Like people will literally complain about anything. I think it's, it's you know, people say, listen to the customer voice, but, you know, we believe you can read it. Like, it's almost like what our tools transcribe what customers are thinking or saying, but, but in a way that's easy to interpret. So it's, it's funny to see, we'll look at the concentration, like, yeah, bag policy used to be a really high query tool, but you don't want that to be high. You want to set a benchmark for it to be low. Health and safety will now be high because, you know, we just had an NFL team this weekend put math back on for the first time in... Mm -hmm you know, 10 weeks. So now the queries are, well, what if I'm vaccinated? What if I have a booster? So changing information is what makes our product sustainable, but we don't want to be the bag policy answer. So as policies shift, you can look and read, well, what do fans feel about it? And they'll usually tell you more bad than good, candidly. So you just kind of have to interpret. Rarely, I'd think, does David read something that goes, oh my God, I'm so happy you did this. And that's not how people communicate. It's normally that, well, I'm just going to complain about this. So you've removed my anger about something else. So it's, but it's very easy to see. Cool. And David, you come from uh, Disney and Amazon. So you've got the, the, the tech background. Talk to us a little bit about the difference between being in a tech organization and kind of coming into the sports industry, you know, different, different commentators invariably sort of say that the sports industry is light years behind the tech industry in terms of monetization of individual fans and the, the individual value that you can drive. Um, and what you described earlier in terms of fan data sounds a little bit like, you know, traditional tech split testing and, and, and stuff like that. W what is different and what have you been able to bring in uh, to, to really start to um, improve the fan experience? Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing that's different, say Amazon versus here, is engineering resources, right? You know, you had at your disposal as a product manager there, some of the best engineering talent in the world that can turn things around and produce it at speed. Like, we don't have any, right? we have a web developer. That's the one role that we have. So we have to do everything with external partners. And so we can't drive at the same speed or at the same value that you could as a tech company. And I also think the industry is changing dramatically and, you know, going from a monopoly mindset, right? There is only one NBA team in your city for, for the most part, right? And so there's not a lot of competition for basketball itself, but it turns out we're not in the basketball business anymore. We're in the entertainment business and you're competing for that time across a variety of different things and that people are interested in. So we've had to change and adapt with that. And so technology across the two spaces, we are getting better. We're learning. We're bringing new people into the sports environment outside from outside of sports that are pushing us and challenging us. Um, but it's, it's a bit disjointed of an ecosystem. We have a lot of different partners that we bring in to try and create a solution, but they're not all integrated. It doesn't create that seamless 
you know, you go on amazon.com and you have that seamless customer experience because they own the experience from A to Z. We don't have that uh, benefit here. And I, I'm, I'm curious about this, um, this partnership and how you manage to bring tech companies in. Um, because obviously every sports organization has, you know, different, um, I would say, appetite to uh, technology development and real appreciation of what uh, technology can do either for its fan engagement or for its bottom line uh, or uh, improving processes or whatever that might be. How um, uh, successful or how positive has your organization been in terms of supporting that drive to go out and work with partners and bring in uh, engineering technology development in order to be able to improve um, processes, fan experience, or the bottom line? Yeah, we're always, so the first thing we do is we start with the fan, right? We start with the customer and trying to find the problem. We're not looking for a technology first and then trying to find a, a problem to solve. So our customers are pointing us in that direction. And because we've got that philosophy as a company, we're just looking for what's going to help us solve the problem. It can be technology. It could be a process change. If technology is the best approach, we're always supportive of, of investing in it. Um, so I, I think that's priority number one for us. Start with the customer, then find the technology. Uh, we are you know, we're spending you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on new initiatives probably every year trying to make the fan experience better. Really? <laughs> I'm, I'm reliably informed that some of that some of that is going to Donnie, hopefully. Um, Donnie, what are you what are you seeing from uh, from the sports industry in terms of focusing on technology and and specifically are you seeing a lot of the industry taking that focus into fan engagement or are you looking at them looking at uh, trying to find new revenue opportunities uh it, 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 which direction are you seeing people coming at your specific product and capabilities from right right now the hot topic is sports betting uh you know how can we conversationalize helping people make more sports bets and, and how do we take that person that might make one bet and, and have two? So that's something that we're working on. NFTs is obviously a popular topic. It's, you know, anytime you have a, a thing that needs explaining, you know, a technology like ours makes a lot of sense. And the, in venue experience, you have so many different things. That's one thing. But NFTs, hey, how do you discover them? What are they for? Is this really mine? What's available? You know, all that is, is great space what we're doing. So I think that once, once people understood the applications that, you know, we've been working with David now, like I said, almost five years. So that, that use case is kind of understood. Now, what are the new use cases? And those are the two hot ones right now that I'm actually personally focused on because they just seem so ripe, especially NFTs. I just think if you ask five fans about NFTs, you're going to get five different, very wide answers. You know, some we not even know what it means or stands for. Some will be like, oh, yeah, that's that thing. I could just take a picture on Google and own it, right? <laughs> so there's, there's a lot. That's of exactly how it works. Yeah, that's how usually most life works. So that's why I'm excited for the teams and the Davids of the world. Like, hey, I'm about to start this new initiative. I know how your tech works. Let's apply the two. That's exciting. And and speaking of that, David, what what are you or how are you thinking about the value of um, technologies like NFTs coming to support 
the engagement with the fans, uh, specifically of the Hawks, um, and also, you know, how that applies to the, call it dichotomy or difficulty or, you know, reality of dealing with league rights versus team rights and, you know, what you own, what you can create and, uh, and all of that, which is, which is very different in the, uh, in a lot of different, uh, leagues around the world. Yeah. There's a lot of complexity there and you know, we're working through our first kind of pilot launch of NFTs. And what we're trying to do right now is, is figure out for our market and I said, every market's different. The amount of education and understanding of what an NFT is, how it works, who has a crypto wallet, who doesn't that we're trying to take a product that has been focused on early adopters focused on you know people who are speculative investors we don't want investors in our nft solution we want fans of the hawks that are looking to participate with our brand so we're looking to test really three different types of nfts nfts tied to experiential benefits so maybe that is you get to go to the tarmac and see off the team before a road trip, tie an NFT to that. Then we're looking to tie NFTs to physical goods or physical products, and then tie NFTs to value and see how our fan base, which might be different from somebody else, this fan base reacts to those different types of NFTs, see what happens in the secondary market. You know, The thing that we're really curious about is what happens once that experience is done is there still value to holding that NFT and trading that NFT, even though now you can't go see the team off at the, at the tarmac. And so we're trying to test and understand our market better. Um, and we're trying to really do this for our fans. It's not, we're trying to make as much money as possible. We want any and every investor coming in here thinking that they're going to make a, a quick return on it. And it's about fan engagement. It's about educating our fans on this process making sure that we make it easy for them so you can buy an NFT with a credit card that you don't need, you know, to pay with, you know, Ethereum or, or another coin. That's, that's the direction we're headed and that's how we're thinking about it. Um, and it's, 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 it's only going to get more interesting and complex. And uh, I'm very excited to see the case studies over the next couple of week, weeks and months, right? Um, Donnie, I want to I take it back to this idea of innovation in the fan experience. And... Um, you know, you guys are monitoring multiple teams, taking questions from the fans, uh, you know, on a daily basis. Uh, what's your evaluation of kind of the um, modern fan, the younger fan, and how much of their experience is really tech-led and is amplified by technology? And how much of that traditional uh, uh, traditional fan who is the older fan who is all about, you know, I want to be in the stadium. I want to buy my hot dog and have a drink. And, you know, whether there's an NFT or whether there's a, you know, um, uh, really cool, uh, immersive experience, I don't really care. How much is that balance shifting? Uh, and is the tipping point coming? Has it come? What stage do you sense we're at? Yeah. The, the new fans, I mean, you know, all the, all the leagues are going after the, the TikTok fan because that's the, the future generation. There's, a, there's kind of a funny expectation. Like if, if food delivery is not available in their seat, they're shocked. Like there's this Uber mentality of like, wait, how come, how come my whole life's not convenient? I mean, I have teenage daughters. And that like, wait, so David Garcia doesn't like walk me to my seat and sit next to me and ask me 
if I need anything, like this is this is kind of the the world that we live in of convenience and access. So that's what I love about the market because they're able to communicate very easily what their needs are, and they're using modalities that are good data aggregators. So with the new the new fan is a is a data giver in a lot of ways. They'll ask, they'll tell, they'll be on social media, they'll communicate. They have an expectation that brands respond to them. The my generation, I think I'm an X or a Y. I don't even know. Whatever David is, I'm way younger than him. So whatever. It is. <laughs> I mean, I'm actually. I think he's definitely younger than me. But you know, I think that's still like we're still wondering the digital engagement potential and capabilities. Like we still think apps are really convenient. Like I love getting food to my seat or even express pickup. Like that's still something that I didn't have the last you know. 15 years that I attended games. So we're going to get a lot more data about the new fan base more quickly to adjust in service. And that's a huge plus. There is an attention span issue, which is the counterpoint because, you know, that's why I think the highlights and the TikTok and the, you know, the, the at-home fan will be serviced very similarly to the in-arena fan because they're going to be worth the same on a monetary value, but we just have to look at them as one big unit, not just a season ticket holder versus a, a home viewer. Those are going to eventually merge as subscriptions and things come out. Yeah. Well, and home, what is a home viewer is changing too, because there's a lot of bite-sized consumption versus sitting down for an entire game. And I'm here in the U.S. We've got the regional sports network business model. And now you have some of your OTTs like the YouTube TVs and those not carrying those regional networks. So if you are these young fans trying to grow an affinity for a brand, how do you stay connected to the team? And so that content strategy is having to adjust and adapt because it's not the same way. Now I'll lock myself in front of a TV and watch a game from start to finish, but that's not what the generation is doing today. So you've got to find other ways to connect with them. Well, one of David's ideas that I've actually, I'm actually, um, I hope to launch it shortly because I, I started working on it before COVID and then, you know, during COVID, everybody just threw everything out the door and started over. But he had a, he had a point of view that people would like ticket buyers are interested in certain players. Like the new generation is player focused, less than team focused. So, Hey, I want to see Trey Young. I want to buy tickets when the Lakers are playing, you know, Trey Young is, and so instead of saying the Hawks, that's data we could pick up which players are drawing ticket sales like which players are up and coming which players are, are getting the highlight reels on TikTok, and the demand for their viewership is of interest or part of our new ticketing assistant will have things like player intent pickups when they mention hey when's lebron coming that's an easy one because that's but who's the next five you know interesting demand buyer demand buyer reasons for how we should articulate that was david's idea and I'm, I'm very focused on creating the what is bringing the fan to watch or come to a game team player can i get my hair cut i think is a good one which i think is one of the amenities um, <laughs> which they have over there stuff like that T time for me and sorry to call out a competing eastern eastern conference competitor but time for me to call out Giannis Antetokounmpo as a as as, as my number one ticket sales uh ticket sales option so let me let me ask you guys you know we're, we're, at, we're at the cusp of a, of a huge amount of, of of different things and you know there's there's a lot of um i alluded to this earlier there's a lot of people in the industry saying that 
with the affinity that sports teams can drive, the per customer value of a sports team should be far higher than what it is and more akin to a, um, you know, we saw the athletics sell for uh, just over half a billion dollars. And, you know, the valuation of a reader compared to the valuation of a Man United fan was like 10x, I think, or something like that. David, what do sports teams need to do in order to start capturing that level of affinity and uh, ability to transact with a fan and to build that fan's value? Yeah, I think it's more about building a global audience versus building your local market audience. So that's what limits some of that valuation. And even some of it, and things we're talking about the league, different restrictions on marketing territories and who you can actually communicate to can restrict your overall fan growth for your for your brand. But if you think about some of the you know, European soccer leagues, PSG, Real Madrid, those are brands, iconic brand. PSG has offices in New York, right? It's, those are brands that they're building outside of just what's going on on the court, on the field. And so that's how we get there is we, you know, we leverage our brand, we leverage some of our stars. And you know, Trey Young for us has been phenomenal um, in what he can drive. Um, but that we have to get more global, we have to get more reach, um, because you know local market's only going to be so big. And there were some interesting blueprints that the NFL rolled out recently in terms of allocating international markets to some teams to be able to go out and and reach. So it'll be interesting to see if some of the other North American uh, leagues start to start to pick up on that. Yeah, and for, Formula One has been another great example of you know something that has taken off here in the U.S. And you know a lot of it was tied to the you know, the Netflix uh, show and, you know, how do you find other creative ways to grow, grow our brands out of our traditional market? Absolutely. So as, as we uh, start to wrap up here, I'd ask you both to project out um, or even project close, um, but tell us what is the next step of the fan experience? uh, And what is the, what, what do you see as, the biggest opportunities or most exciting opportunities to really engage fans and, uh, uh, and, and take them, continue to take them along that journey. Donnie. So the, the, the Oculus is, and you know, when Nike put their store in Roblox and my daughter experienced it, I just think that the whole COVID is obviously super serious and affected us tremendously, even as a company, as well as our customer base. But, once you just tap into all the things we're talking about, the time frame of attention, the up and coming fan, the digital engagement, the you know who wants to come out versus who wants to have as close an experience as not being there, we're hyper focused on just creating that fan engagement for the home viewer in a virtual reality environment. I could I don't know if you've gotten Oculus yet, but there's an app called Walk the Plank. And you literally walk a plank. I was crawling on my living room floor like in a in a fetal position as and my kids my kids put this on like TikTok somewhere or it's it's somewhere and i and they're like this is my dad who runs an ai company crawling on my floor with an oculus on his face because he doesn't want to because i'm afraid of heights because i don't want to fall off the plank <laughs> when you experience it 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 opened my mind to just while we're so much further than Oculus One and all the stuff that, that I think you'd considered. So I do believe that as all the tools that we're building for in-stadium, what is the application for VR will be like at the forefront? Because it's I think it's 24 months or less. And that's, that's a voice application experience. 
So it's very different. And you have to consider the commerce and all those things. And that's what I'm personally excited about. Well, we'll we'll make sure to try and find that video and put it in the uh, uh, in in the link of the of the podcast so that people can check that out. <laughs> David, what's what's your view? Yeah, I, to me, the the key word is is personalization. It's mm. and that applies across in venue, outside of venue. But how do you, you know, deliver the experience for a, a unique person? So we always had talked about it in the venue, right? Venues were designed for the masses. Then how do you take a building or something that was designed for the masses and make it feel like it was designed for you? You know, technology can really help. To that, frankly, technology is the only way to make that happen in a building. Um, but then you look across the building, there are unique ways to you know, learn more about what people want, what they're most, most interested in, and delivering an experience that's unique to them and valuable to them. And I think that's the kind of that shift from what we call you know, the experience economy to the transformation economy. Yeah, a lot of exciting stuff coming up and hopefully the sports loft companies can continue to be at the forefront of it and help uh, help clients like the Atlanta Hawks make uh, make great successes out of it. So all that remains for me to say is a big thank you to our two stellar guests, David Garcia. Thank you much for having joined us on the sports loft podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Donnie White, as always, a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And if you guys liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating. Uh, Go to our website, sportsloft.co, and sign up for the newsletter. And follow us on our socials at SportsLoftHQ. Thank you very much, and goodbye.